Hallelujah. Well, we're going to uh, uh, finish, I believe, last week's message. So uh, we're looking at 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 20. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 20. And really, we're looking at the whole chapter. And um, we're talking about getting your praise out front. When there's a battle, getting your praise out front. I don't know if you realize it or not, but there's a battle going on uh, in the world. And it's really the Antichrist spirit against the church. And uh, it shows up in a lot of different ways, uh, but you see it uh, showing up in a lot of uh, riots and dissatisfaction and uh, self-centeredness in different ways. Uh, We see it, of course, in the United States, but actually it's around the world. And um, so uh, it's... um, it's the last days, and um, I, we were just at the meeting this past week, and Pastor Trina Hankins closed out the meeting with some singing, and she said, you know, she's singing about heaven, and she said, you know, next time we see each other, it might be in heaven. <laughs> Jesus said, I'm coming soon. Yeah. Something I, I notice about most people that have a vision of Jesus is, uh, you know, it seems like by and large, with the Lord, he may say a lot of things to them, reveal some things to them, but what he always tends to say is, tell the people I'm coming soon. Yeah. Tell them I'm coming soon. And sometimes I hear people relate uh, supernatural experiences like that, and I don't hear them say, emphasize that too much. And, um, uh, but Jesus said, I'm coming soon. And he's gone to prepare a, a dwelling place for us. But he's coming soon. And this whole thing is a... Uh, is, uh, coming to uh, an end rather quickly. And uh, so the devil doesn't know exactly when, but he he is aware that his time is short. And so uh, he's kind of kicking and screaming and trying to take as many people with him as uh, will let him. And uh, I said that that way on purpose because uh, once you're in Christ Jesus, the enemy has no power over you. You're an authority in your life. Even, even before the enemy, uh, before you're a Christian, you have authority to accept Jesus Christ or to reject him. And so uh, the devil can't stop you based on the authority that you have. But the devil can stop you if you listen to his words and act them out. Right? You, you, may, you don't want to think his thoughts. The Bible says, casting down vain imaginations and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So, in other words, vain imaginations are going to exalt themselves against the knowledge of God and against God and against Jesus. So, if you're always thinking about yourself, well, you're going to find uh, that uh, that is coming against the knowledge of God. So... Uh, we don't do that. All right, Second, uh, let's go to Second um, Chronicles chapter 20, and then, then we'll go to Mark 11. Second Chronicles chapter 20. Uh, it came to pass in verse 1, After this also that the children of Moab, the children of Ammon, and beside them the Ammonites, came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Uh, now Jehoshaphat is uh, the king of the tribe of Judah, and uh, he's in Jerusalem. Then there, uh, there came that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There come against uh, a great multitude against you from beyond the sea on this side of Syria. And behold, they be in Hazanon, Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared 
and set himself to seek the Lord. A lot of times we fear, but we don't set ourselves to seek the Lord. A lot of times we fear and we set ourselves to seek, uh, what does everybody have to say about this? Right? We set ourselves to seek the internet. Um, and I don't mean like searching Bible scriptures. I'm talking about like searching, uh, you know, well, what does this say? What does this mean? And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord. Uh, literally, in the margin of my Bible, it says, he feared and set his face to seek the Lord. So there's something about where your face is set. He set his face to seek the Lord. Right? I always think of, you set your face like a flint to seek God. In other words, uh, that thing is not going to be moved. I am looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of faith. I'm not looking at other things. Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. In other words, he didn't regard the shame as something to be honored. He re regarded it as something to be despised. In other words, I don't really care. I'll go through the shame if it means I can take that shame off of you. So, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of faith. And uh, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. Just like Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, he said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. Well, what happened? Well, in the wilderness, they were snake bitten. And the antidote or the deliverance was actually, he made a, 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 a pole with a brass serpent on it. And the Lord said, whoever looks on that serpent on the pole will live. Whoever looks will live. So anybody that's been bitten, if they would just look, and Amplified says, if you have a steady, constant, absorbing gaze, that you'll live. So some people like uh, look for just a second, and then they look a different direction. And some people look maybe for uh, a couple minutes. Because Peter over in Matthew, uh, was it Matthew chapter 16, Peter was in the boat. Jesus had actually told all the disciples, he's like, you know, hey, um, you know, just, just fed, I think it was the 5,000 that time, fed the 5,000. He said, go get in the boat and go to the other side. And, uh, he said, and then he said, I'm going up into a mountain. He went up to a mountain to pray. And then uh, as the evening came, he looked out uh, on the water and he saw the winds were contrary to them. And he sa it says in, um, uh, let's see, in... Um, Luke, I believe. It says in Luke, you know, because there's three accounts from three of the gospel writers. So in Luke, it said, he saw them rowing against the wind, basically stuck in the middle of the sea because the, the wind was so strong. Uh, this great wind came up. Well, and then um, Peter, Jesus comes on, onto them on the water, and they're all scared. Fear came upon them. And they thought it was a ghost. Remember what Jesus said? Let, let's just, I guess we should just turn over there. Uh, let's go to uh, Matthew chapter 14. Chapter 14, verse 22. Matthew 14, 22, and then we'll come right back to Chronicles. Matthew 14. Matthew 14, verse uh, 22. We'll start in verse 22. So we're talking about uh, Moses lifting up the serpent, brass serpent on a pole, Whoever looked would live, right? All right, so 14, verse 22. 
And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into the ship and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And we, when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves, for the wind was contrary. Over in, um, I think it was Luke, that's when he, saw, he said he saw the disciples and they were rowing against the wind. In the fourth watch of the night, verse 25, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a spirit. And they cried out for fear. Right? Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord. So these guys feared and they cried out with fear. But straightway Jesus spoke unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Isn't it awesome when God speaks in the middle of a situation where there is fear all around? If you just get one word from God, and you don't have to have Him speak like you hear Him audibly or something like that, the Word of God is God speaking to you. You get one word in the midst of fear, and you can be of good cheer. And Peter answered him, verse 28, and I was studying for this, that stood out to me, and Peter answered him. It doesn't say, and the disciples answered him. It doesn't say, and John answered him. But what? In the midst of fear, the word spoke, and Peter responded to, what the, to the word and answered him. In other words, Peter's engaging with the word. And said, Lord, if it be you, bid me to come out on the water. And he said to him, come. So really this, you know, some, uh, um, some Bibles will title this, Peter walks on the water. But Peter really never did walk on the water. If you saw him, you'd say, wow, he walked on the water. But if you talk to him, he said, I did fine as long as I was walking on the word. But the second I got my focus off the word, I started to sink. In other words, that word come, spoken by the master, was the solid ground or solid water for Peter to walk on. Because Jesus said, come. So when Peter, uh, and he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. So uh, it's a steady, constant, absorbing gaze. Right? In other words, your faith is set like flint to the Lord. And so if they looked at this uh, and they beheld this and they kept their eyes fixed on this brass serpent on the pole, they would live. So they had to have a steady gaze. So I'm not looking here, looking to Jesus, and all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, these are really big waves. Wow. Like, how am I, wait a minute, I'm sinking, ah! Right, because why? I took my eyes off of Jesus. I pick on you, so I'll make you Jesus today. I took my eyes off of Jesus. I took my eyes off the Word, and I started to look at what? The circumstances. I think it's real interesting that when Peter walked out on the words of Christ, 
that the wind kept on blowing and the waves kept on moving. Religion will tell you, if you are following God, the sea is going to become calm and the winds are going to stop blowing and everything's just going to be fine so you can walk with confidence because religion is based on man's experiences but faith is based on God's words. So religion is saying, well, let me find a way uh, to just make this comfortable for the natural man. Pastor Mark told me a few years ago, we were talking in the Philippines, you may have heard me say it, uh, Pastor Mark Hankins, and he said, um, most people don't have faith further than reason will allow. Most people don't have faith further than what reason will allow. In other words, if it makes sense, I'll do it. I'll believe God if it makes sense. If I can figure it out, I'll do it. That is one of the most self-centered ways to think. If you can figure it out. Psalm 119 verse 128 says, I esteem your word above all else to be true and I hate every false way. I esteem your word above all else. Well, I love that. I love that. That's one of my most favorite verses in the, in the whole Bible. Because it'd be real easy to esteem other things. But it just is like a litmus test for me. Like if the word says it, I believe it, that's pretty much the end of the story. Doesn't mean I have to understand it, but this is what I believe. So we'll pause for a brief announcement from Amtrak. I don't know if you can hear it online, but there's a train going by blowing its horn. Uh, so I esteem your word above all else to be true. In other words, if I find it in the Word and my circumstances don't match up and my thinking doesn't match up, I don't, I don't try to reinterpret the Word. I know that the Word is true. Let God be true and every man a liar. So I know that the circumstances are not telling the truth. I know that maybe other people aren't telling the truth. I know that my thinking is not telling the truth if it's contrary to what God's Word says. So uh, I've established His Word in my heart that I might not sin against him. Uh, it's also in Psalm 119, right? So um, one translation said, I have treasured your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's my favorite translation of that particular verse. Because if you treasure the words of God in your heart, that's when they have the right place. Brother Hagin used to always tell us, he said, um, Say this, he said, the Bible is God speaking to me. And he'd say, if you believe that and act like that, it'll change the, the word of God for you. It'll make a different book. You ever sit down and just read the word like this is God speaking to me today? This is exactly what he's saying to me today? Well, you, you get a whole new Bible. Atila and Daisy Osborne, they, they set out uh, to be uh, world missionaries and um, went to India and were basically failures, flat failures. So they came and they, they said, well, you know, we've, got, uh, we've come to you with the holy word of God. This is God's holy book. 
and the, the Hindus that were over there and some Muslims, and they said, well, uh, we have a holy book too. And so they find like it's book against book. And they're like, hey, we understand that. But this, this is the holy word of God. And he said, we found out after about a year uh, treating this like a, a, a philosophy was no good. That the gospel is not really the gospel unless there is a demonstration because the gospel is the power of God. And so they came back and um, they saw, had three visions of Jesus. Three visions of Jesus. And they heard Hattie, Hattie Hammond uh, preach a message that said, if you ever see Jesus, you'll never be the same again. And uh, so right after that, uh, they saw Jesus. So they went home after that, after that meeting, and they said, um, they also saw, I think, William Brandon, Marvelous Miracles. And they're like, well, if that, you know, and when they saw the miracles, the Holy Spirit said to them, you could do that. You could do the same thing. So they started uh, seeking out God. So he said they went home, and they said to each other, let's read our Bible like it's the first time we've ever read it. Let's just start over. And he said, so one of the visions of Jesus that they had was he said, we saw Jesus in the Word. And uh, T.L. actually had a, a vision of Jesus as well, uh, like you'd think of a traditional vision. So they saw him uh, in the minister who was Branham, and then they saw him in the Word, and then he had that, that kind of open vision, and then he said, after that, we saw him in ourselves. So we said, we went back to our hometown. <clears throat> I think it was over in Washington State. We got up. We said, we're going to have a meeting. Jesus heals today. <laughs> the Lord had never used him to heal anybody. <laughs> so he said, the Lord won't always do this, but he did it for us that day. He said, uh, you know, whoever comes up here, going to be healed. First person came up, blind. They're healed. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. Well, in many cases, you read, Jesus healed them all. But not in all cases did Jesus heal them all. So don't you think every time uh, that you pray for somebody, everybody's going to be healed. That's not Bible. It's funny. You hear things, and you think, there's no way that there's no way that, that could be true. And uh, I remember Dad Hagen saying, he ran into some people that said that they had gone beyond the word. They said, uh, he was asking them about it, and they said, oh, that old thing? We don't use that old thing anymore. He's like, we've gone beyond that. He's like, if you've gone beyond the Bible, that's too far for me. Well, if you've gone beyond the Bible, it's too far for me as well. The thing is... Um, not everybody wants to be healed. The thing is, not everybody is in a position to be healed. You know, you actually have to be in position to be healed. You have to have like one arm up, one... No, I'm kidding. Not a physical position. You know, the biggest hindrance to healing for a believer is actually in uh, Corinthians. 
because we don't rightly discern the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sickly among you, and even some die. Well, there's two main ways you can interpret that, but I'm sure there's other ways it can be. Uh, but the two main ways I know is that you um, don't discern that you were healed by the stripes of Jesus, but also you don't discern other members of the body. You got to walk in love. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. But we ought to have some meetings where everybody in the place is healed. Like there's not one person that goes away with sickness or disease in their body. And we'll have those meetings. But I'm just saying, if Jesus, everyone that Jesus uh, uh, endeavored to minister to wasn't healed in his own, own hometown, he couldn't do many mighty works there. Well, then um, why? Because of their unbelief. So you can't really use your faith to override someone's unbelief. If you could... Explain to me why Jesus didn't do it. What did he do? Well, it said he went about teaching and preaching because they had unbelief. So teaching and preaching is the cure for unbelief. If you don't know what the truth is, how are you going to act on it? How are you going to rely on it? So, you know, I've encountered some people um, that were not trusting the Lord for healing, but they thought they were. But really, they were in works. If I do everything right, then I'll be healed. Well, uh, sometimes with people that are believers, you have to get them, well, you always have to get them to believe the Word. But they think they're believing the Word, and they're not. Right? They think they're acting on the word and they're not. So what you say, what I say to them is, I'm like, well, uh, can you do this for me? Can you like not be against me, but let me pray for you? Yeah, yeah, I'll do that. I say, well, can you, um, do you believe that I hear from God? Yeah, I've not, I haven't had them say no. I'm sure maybe at some point in my life they'll say no. Right? <laughs> okay, well, uh, they say, yeah. And I say, okay, well, don't try to believe. You just believe that I'm hearing from God and I'm doing according to what he's telling me to do. I shouldn't tell you all the secrets, but anyhow. So, because maybe I need to minister to you this way sometime. So anyhow, what I do is I get them to believe in God in me. So they're actually acting in faith, but they think they're in neutral. Do you understand? Because the only way they're going to receive from God is if they're in faith. So, uh, well, the whole reason I, I, I guess I kind of went on this little rabbit trail is, you know, you can't force somebody to receive something from God because God does not force. If he did, he would force all of these rioters and all of the crazy people and all of the people that aren't born again to come into his family because he loves them that much. But because he is love and does love them that much, he doesn't force anyone because love never forces. 
But love will give every benefit of every doubt and, and position you. So I'm going to come alongside you and say, okay, don't even try to believe like that. You just trust that God's going to speak through me and, and let me do the believing. So uh, they're still trusting the Lord, but just in a different way. Why? Because they've religiously been like, okay, I'm believing, I'm believing, I'm believing. Uh, I think it's going to work. Really, they're just hoping and they're not believing, but they think they're believing. So I got to get them off that because as long as they're on that, they can't receive. They're not in a position to receive because they're trying to receive through human works and human effort and human accomplishment and human righteousness, self-righteousness. They're not trying to receive like, isn't Jesus so wonderful? Look at what Jesus has done. Really? They're not fixed and fastened on Him. Because if your eyes are fixed and fastened on the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, you start to get um, in awe of who He is, in awe of what He's done, in awe of His wisdom, in awe of His provision. Right? And so I'm trying to get their eyes off of themselves and get their eyes onto Jesus. And sometimes the only way I've been able to do that is, and I'm sure I could learn more, but is to get their eyes saying, okay, instead of them being like, I'm, I'm doing it, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. You know, I feel like if you're like, I used to have my little kids when they were little, Jeremy taught me to uh, take them when they're like, uh, well, how old are they? Like eight months, nine months old? No, no, when they first stand. Yeah, that's about right. When they're nine months old, you put both feet here and you kind of balance them, Right? And as long as they're not too wild, you can keep them balanced, right? And so you can normally just, just kind of stand there. One of my kids was, I think it was Joel, probably, <laughs> which everybody can understand if you know Joel. Uh, he was like hardest because he's like, what, what, what? The other ones would just kind of stand there. You could balance them. Well, sometimes people are in faith like, oh, oh, you know, they're like, they're doing it. Where really, it's like A.B. Simpson said, he studied healing just for two weeks, just for two weeks, just two weeks. He just took off two weeks. Anyhow, he's studying. He's like, ah, uh, I now see that healing is just as much a part of the plan of redemption yeah. as salvation for the soul. Yeah. And he said, I this day take Jesus as my healer as I have already taken him as my Lord. Right. And he said, whether I felt any different at that moment, I don't know. But I know this. He has it in his hand. Yeah. So in other words, he's like, I can just relax. I don't have to worry about how my body feels because I know he has it. Well, every symptom was gone, I think, within 30 days. But I tell you what, those 30 days, he wasn't worried. He, had, he wrote in his journal, he had like, um, I think, two temptations to worry. And the first one was before he hiked the mountain. He almost did. He's like, I almost w went back and did this, but I didn't. I kept believing well, then within 30 days, he's climbing a mountain. Well, he had a heart problem, you know, would almost like uh, die. So um, Jesus couldn't do any mighty works. Why? Because of their unbelief. So the cure for unbelief is to, is to bring the word. Because if, if you hear the word, if you ever hear the word, you'll be forever changed. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So it's all about the hearing. What are you hearing? And where are you hearing? 
You got to hear from your heart and listen from your heart. So, okay, serpent on the pole. So uh, steady, constant, absorbing gaze, serpent on the pole. Well, what was that? Do you know what it was? Why was the serpent on the pole? Yeah, I'll draw them into myself, Jesus said, talking back about Moses, but go back to Moses. Well, they were snake bit. So what's interesting is the very thing that bit them, he put on the pole. So the thing that bit them so that they were dying and getting, getting sick and dying isn't it interesting that God chose to put the very, a symbol of the very thing that was biting them and hurting them and injuring them? And he put it where? On a pole. What was that to represent? The cross. So what did God put on the cross? Jesus. What did God put on Jesus on the cross? Sin, sickness, disease, death. So way back with Moses, your sickness, disease, sins, every form of the curse is right there on the cross. And he said, anyone that looks will live. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So when we see the cross, we shouldn't just see Jesus on the cross. You know, our identification with Christ, that we're to identify with him, not just in our resurrection, but we're to identify with him in the death. In other words, on that cross, I see him on that cross with my sins on him. And I see him on that cross with my allergies on him. And I see him on the cross, really I shouldn't even say my allergies, the devil's allergies, and I see him with the devil's broken bones, and I see him with the devil's messed up thinking, and I see him with the devil's lack, right? So he said, if I be lifted up, whoever looks will live. So all these people snake bit. Maybe you've been snake bit. Stop talking about the snakes. Stop looking at the snakes. Stop thinking about the snakes. Stop trying to identify what kind of snake bit you. Look at the snake on the pole. Because the snake on the pole has lost its life, has lost its potency, has lost its influence. Because Jesus took it and he defeated it. In every form and every manifestation. Whoever looks will live. To whoever looks, steady, constant, absorbing gaze. Remember when Jesus was, uh, um, uh, was at the ruler's house and um, the woman came with the alabaster box? to anoint him for his burial. 
with a perfume that was worth a year's wages. That's an expensive perfume. Even if you don't make a lot of money per year, that's an expensive perfume. Imagine a year of your salary. Well, what happened? Well, a lot of people may see how you're worshiping the Lord and say, that's excessive. That's not necessary. Why are you doing that? Yet Jesus said, uh, this woman did this. It's going to be told of her wherever the gospel's preached. She'll be honored because she prepared me for my burial. What was precious to her, she prepared him to be on, on, uh, on the cross. So he's like, I like how Pastor Mark says, he's like, so he's on that cross, and you think the aroma of that perfume is still on his body. And he can still smell her gift. And he could still feel honored by her gift while, while everything else is happening to him and everything else is going on. So Jesus is, is on that cross. And if we see him on that cross with a steady, constant, absorbing gaze, then what are we going to see? Well, we're going to look and we're going to see like... our greatest failures... We're going to see our most significant inabilities. But he said steady, constant, absorbing gaze. So I'm looking at him, and I'm seeing all my junk on him on that cross. Well, not only do I see that, the cross actually speaks of love. Because he didn't just take my stuff. He didn't just take your stuff and my stuff. He took everyone's stuff. It'd be significant if he took all of my sins and redeemed me from all my sins, past, present, future. But he did that for all of mankind. It might be more significant if he took Jeremy's, but still. Okay, no, I'm, I'm kidding. It's getting intense. I'm trying to make everybody laugh, right? No, this woman... A year's worth of money poured out on him. His answer to the self-righteous Pharisees was, anybody remember? To him that is forgi- or him that is forgiven much, loves much. So if you want to love much, the Lord, or love the Lord, that sounds like King James. If you want to love the Lord a lot, you look at him on that cross. And you see what was on him on that cross. And your love for him will grow more and more. The more you have a steady, constant, absorbing gaze on him. Because you see all your stuff. Do you know what? Even your pride was on him on that cross. Glory to God. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Well, I didn't get very far in uh, Second Corinthians, Second uh, Chronicles twenty, did I? All right, praise the Lord. So, and Jehoshaphat feared, and set himself, or um, set his face to seek the Lord. So you have these things that come. What is your response? He feared and set himself, or set his face to seek the Lord. Uh, this woman, she poured out this perfume to prepare Jesus for his burial because she loved so much. So her response to the reality of what had happened to her through Jesus Christ was to love him much. And so um, Jehoshaphat feared, set himself to seek the Lord, proclaimed a fast, and they gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. So in other words, he turned to the Lord, he sought the Lord, and then he began to pray, and he said, everybody else, everybody pray. We're all going to pray. Uh, we're all going to look to the Lord. And actually, I want you to sacrifice some things, take some extra time, don't eat. Instead of eating, pray. Right? Set this time, give this time to the Lord. And so um, when they did that, uh, they, he consulted with the people, and the Lord basically said, put the praisers in the front. Right? Put the praisers in the front. So a lot of times we know we should pray. But a lot of times we don't pray the kind of prayer that God hears or that gets results. What kind of prayer does God, prayer does God hear? The prayer of faith. Well... A prayer done in faith would be a better way for me to say it because if I say the prayer of faith, you're going to think I'm talking about a prayer to receive from God. Uh, but it's more than that because you can uh, fellowship with the Lord. You can consecrate yourself to the Lord. And we don't call those the prayer of faith when you've heard, if you've heard teachings on it. But the prayer offered in faith, right? It's the prayer offered in faith. And um, let's turn to Philippians chapter 4 real quick and we'll, I think we'll close right on that. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Amplify says, do not fret or have any anxiety about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So if you're going to be full of worry, and you're going to be full of fear, and you're going to pray that prayer, and when I say God won't hear you, I suppose he'll hear it, but this is the hearing as, as far as answering he don't answer that prayer. Why? You have authority. So in other words, if Jessica wants to keep worrying and just keep her cares and keep her fear and she doesn't turn to the Lord, right, and seek the Lord, well, the Lord's not going to override her. She has to cast her cares on the Lord. Have you ever done that? I've done that. So I'll, I'll go to pray about a situation, but I'm in fear about it or I'm anxious about it, and I pray. It's like you're not really making a connection. So then what I do is I'm like, um, Lord, why are you not like listening to me? And then I got a little, a little witness on the inside. 
you're worried. I know, that's why I'm praying. <laughs> and then the knowing witness comes. What are you going to do about that? You need to give those to me. Oh. Well, then in my, my, my better times, I'm like, okay, I'll give it to you, Lord. I'm not going to worry about it. But my worst times, I'm like, ooh, really? Uh, are you really sure you know how to take care of every part of it? Can I just think, keep, I'm just going to keep a little bit of this worry because I, I need to be taking care of it, right? Well, that's really what we're saying is I'm going to do it instead of you. And so the Lord's not going to override you. No, cast all of your cares upon him. And you know you've done that because the peace of God comes in and floods you. And your consciousness is you're like, oh, this is pretty awesome. And then he, I love Philippians chapter 4 because he goes on to say, and whatever is lovely, noble, pure, praiseworthy, think on these things. So if you try to cast your cares and you're like, and you actually get them over there. Well, uh, Amplified says once and for all you cast them, you know. So you get them over there, but you don't think on the right things. Uh, you're going to be real tempted to pick those right back up. Right? I remember this is an area where I had some big challenge. And so I remember when I first started to do it, man, I'd, I'd cast all my cares. But it was a challenge. So I would get to do it. I'm like, oh, oh. And then I would cast my cares. And man, I didn't have a care for 30 seconds. Until <laughs> <laughs> my little mind started worrying again. Well, what about and how about? And, blah, blah, blah. and I'm like, ugh. And I'm, I'm all anxious again. And all like, ah, you know. And, um, you know, I've grabbed back hold of those things. I'm like, oh, no, I'm not going to do it. Lord, I, I cast that back on you. I was just peace of God in 30 more seconds. You know, I'm telling you how I learned. And so then I'm like, no. So it took some effort on my part because why? I was not used to giving them to the Lord. I was used to praying and holding on to them. Like, okay, Lord, you work on it, and, but I'm going to help you out. I'll figure it out. Well, that's a statement of pride, isn't it? Like, I'll just figure it out. I don't need to pray about that. I can do that. No, you need to pray about everything. That's exactly. Were you here last week? So, Second Chronicles 20, 20. So they prayed... Jehoshaphat prayed, set himself to seek the Lord, got everybody else to pray. And the Lord said, put your praise out front. Right? So they sought the Lord, and he said, praise. And then Acts 16, 25, Paul and Silas are at midnight. They're in prison, and uh, they're in stocks and bonds. <laughs> but they weren't making any profit. The market fell while they're in prison. And so it says, they, at midnight, they prayed. Was your name Lee? Yeah. Is that what you said? They prayed and what? Saying, pra saying praises unto God. They prayed and. They did something else. And then what Lee's quoting is over in Philippians chapter 4. Don't have, fret or have any anxiety about anything. 
Um, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, thanksgiving let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will flood your hearts and minds. And so we have to put our, I say praise out front, but really we're talking about prayer because you have to pray first. Why do you have to pray first? Mark eleven twenty four. What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them and you'll have them, right? So uh, for me, once I have, uh, so like a fear comes, then I set myself to seek the Lord and I inquire of the Lord. Well, then you're kind of like A.B. Simpson, and you're like, that's weird. You're kind of like A.B. Simpson, and you're like, wait a minute. As soon as I know God's got it, I've got it. As soon as I know God's got it, I've got it. Do you understand? As soon as I bring God on the scene, I've got it. What is the response of the person who actually believes that? Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. So all, these, uh, all of these uh, tribe of Judah Israelites, they got all these armies coming against them tomorrow. And they get up, and they're like, we've already heard from God. And he said, put the praisers out front. We're not going to end up fighting this battle. And so they go out, and they say, for the Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. And they take another step, for the Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. They take another step, for the Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. The whole time, they're going right towards the enemy, all the armies. They're going right into the midst of that, but they're going full of joy and full of praise because they have turned themselves to the Lord. They have looked to the Lord, and when you look to the Lord, you can really praise. Whatever you desire when you pray, if you believe you receive it, what are you going to do? Thank you, Lord. Thank you that's taken care of. Thank you not to worry about that. Hallelujah. So you don't have a burdened life. Uh, uh, the, the life that's lived by faith is a life full of joy. The life uh, that's lived by faith is a life that has joy in manifested form. In other words, you're happy about it. You've got a joy that goes beyond just the here and now. You've got a joy that is eternal. Because you know God's got it. God's got it. And then it's a joy to live by faith. So if you don't enjoy living by faith, you're not. If you're like, this is really tough. This is really rough. <laughs> you're not doing it. You're not living by faith. And when you live by faith, it's like, <laughs> could it be this good? And then when the test and the unexpected comes, you may fear like Jehoshaphat did, but you set yourself to seek the Lord. And you're like, oh, that happens enough times? You're like, I can't wait to see what God's going to do this time. I can't wait to see. Is he going to part the Red Sea this time? Is he going to cause water to come out of a rock? Is there going to be like a pillar of fire? Is there going to be a cloud? What's going to happen? How's he going to do it? Well, you don't have to worry about the how. You just sit and watch the show. 
Hallelujah. Stand with me, if you would. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So, how do you do that? Well, you turn to the Lord, and you do that uh, not with your physical body, but you do it with your heart. Once you turn to the Lord, well, thank you, thank you, thank you. So, what you do then is you praise the Lord and thank the Lord whether it feels like it's true or not. Because you're not moved by what it feels like. You're moved by what God said. You don't believe according to feelings and experiences. You believe according to what God has said. That's where faith is at. As many as believed, right? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Jesus Christ. That in the ages to come, he's going to show us the exceeding riches of his grace. You know, you live by faith, you get to be seeing those not only now in this age, but in the ages to come, the exceeding riches of his grace. There's one lady, uh, Brother Hingo talked about, she's going, walking through town, and she's so happy, and, oh, and they're like, Where are you, what you doing? She's like, I'm going to the show. And they're like, what, what are you talking about? The, the, the show, the, you know, the, the picture show's not going on today. And she's like, no, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. I'm seeing the show. I'm seeing his grace. I'm seeing what he's done for me. Uh, that you just are, are full of joy. So choose joy. Choose to believe God and choose joy. And you'll have a joy that goes beyond your circumstance. And that joy is your strength. And in those times when you're like, it seems like there's too much pressure. No, you just give a laugh of faith. Just say, ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. There. Ha, ha, ha. Why are you laughing? The joy of the Lord is your strength. Pastor Turner got this word from the Lord. said, God is on my side, for the blood has been applied. Every need will be supplied, and nothing will be denied. So I enter into rest. I've passed the test. I'll get God's best. Why? God's on your side. And probably what's more important, you're on his side. <laughs> when you're on the side of the word, you're on his side. So you enter into rest because you know you're blessed. And you're, you'll get God's best every time. Doesn't matter. God will come through. Uh, my wife, when she went to Ramah, she um, didn't have a lot of money. And she was driving home one time. And she didn't know it. And uh, She knew she was driving home, but... She didn't know all she had was like a pile of change. And she's trying to drive 13 hours to get home. And I wish I could remember how she got it. But she realized it uh, on the way to Texas that she's supposed to drive north, but she went to see her brother first. You know what? God provided every little bit of finance. She made it home, no problem, everything taken care of. Uh, you know, time and time again, uh, the Lord just provides. When you act in faith, you trust him, he'll provide. So I don't know how I'm going to do this. You know, I, 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 uh, boy, I need to finish, but let me just say this one story. So 
I was uh, on the way to BWI one time uh, with my whole family in the car. When we first moved here, I was contracting, and I think that's where I was going. Anyhow, I had to make the flight, and I was uh, stressed out because we were late. And there was no way we were going to make the travel time. Uh, I think the GPS said like an hour and a half or hour and 45 minutes or something. And um, the, you know, they closed the, you can't get on 30 minutes or less before. And so we're driving, and I am just complaining right outside my, right out my mouth. Like, I can't believe this. We're going to be late. We're not going to make this. And Evie, my oldest daughter, says, Daddy, we should pray. I said, yes, Evie, but we're late. I might have even said, so you think the Lord's going to change something like that? You know, she's like, Daddy, we should pray. I'm like, oh, out of the mouth of babes. Okay, so we prayed. Do you know what happened? I don't know to this day how this happened. But I got there like 45 minutes to an hour before. And there was no, like, it wasn't like traffic cleared up. Like the, the, the GPS was not really traffic related. It was just distance related. And, and we made it. So I, you don't have to be able to figure it out for God to be able to do it, right? right? The Lord can do it. So now I have a great illustration, not only for myself, but my, my children. So when Evie gets frustrated, I say, Evie, which I did a couple weeks ago. I said, Evie, do you remember we're on our way to the airport? And we pray, and she's like, just like all of us would be. She's like, yeah, because <laughs> she knows where this is going, right? And so just turn your cares to the Lord. Look to the Lord. Uh, it doesn't really matter. Like Jesus said, well, why in the world are you worrying about that? Because it's not going to add a minute to your life. It's not going to add anything to you. It's probably actually going to take away. So just turn your, your cares to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, that your words, the entrance of your words, give us light. Thank you for delivering us from the power of the devil, that through the knowledge of Jesus Christ, uh, we have everything that pertains to life and godliness. We thank you for your word. We thank you that we can have joy beyond our circumstance, that we can have joy beyond reason. Hallelujah. That we can be like the Philippian believers, rejoice evermore, rejoicing all the time, that we're full of joy, full of strength, and full of peace, and full of future vision. Father, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. But if you're here or you're online and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, I want to invite you today to receive Him. That's the only way you're actually going to get real peace is if the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, comes into your heart. Wherever He comes, peace comes. And so I want to invite you today to receive Him. Romans chapter 10 says, If you confess Jesus as Lord with your mouth and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Not you might be, you will be. You'll be born again, your whole life will be changed. I'm going to pray a prayer. We're going to pray it together in just a, a few seconds. And if you pray that prayer from your heart with us, your whole life will be changed. You'll be recreated. Let's pray. Say, oh God, I believe Jesus Christ is your son. And that he died on the cross to remove my sins and to make me right with you. I receive him right now as my Lord and as my Savior. I'm not going to live for myself anymore. I'm going to live for Jesus.
for your kingdom every day for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.